Hi, I'm Tish. I'm Juliana. And this is episode 51 of the Rated F Podcast. Women love shit like that. Cinemas will die out. Because it's just fucking movies. Women don't have the same opportunities. So many women. (laughs) Yeah, we're back. Got a new title going on. Really digging into our uh, mandate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess if you don't follow us on social media, what the fuck? Um, Yeah. Yeah, we've renamed, sort of rebranded. But not really, because it's the same content. We just needed a name that reflected that more and... Yeah, sounded cool. <laughs> when we when we started the podcast, it was we were just like it's a movies podcast. We didn't really yeah, know. I came so. up with the name because like all the good puns were taken, and it just was like a phrase that I was like, "This is a thing." Yeah, but I mean, I think if ever you've listened to our stuff, you know that we we tend to focus on women and mm-hmm. representation, diversity in film. Sometimes known as females, which starts females. With <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're just leaning into that a bit more. We feel like, I think this better represents our content. Yeah. Like, the name right away sort of gives you an idea. Yeah. Also, it sounds kind of cool. We're rated F. We're so cool. <laughs> we're going to start rating things, like rated F for words. Yeah. We're going to try You can actually <laughs> check out our Instagram, because there's already a couple up. Yeah, I started, once in a while I remember to put a review up when I watch a movie, and I did rated F4. Yeah. I did figure out you some F words. One of them was fuck, but I mean, you that's going to happen a lot, It's happen a lot. I feel like that's our number one F <laughs> Um, so yeah. this is a very special episode. <laughs> We're um, bringing you our panel from the 2019 Ottawa Comic Con uh, we were lucky enough to present a panel on Studio Ghibli's Heroes. Yes. And one on the historic women of Doctor Who. If you're oh. interested, that's on our Doctor Who podcast. I'll link yeah. to the things. Links to the we, things in the thing. We were busy bees that weekend. Yeah. A little too busy, frankly. We're, yeah. We're, 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 I don't regret doing two, neither but I do feel I, like but we, we learned that we don't want to do two Yeah, next two was, year. It's just a lot. Well, it was... and. Less the weekend, but, like, the six weeks leading up to the weekend. Yeah. And also just feeling like one was better than the other. Yeah. We We don't like that. We don't like to feel like we're not presenting our best work. No, but we're, I think we're both happy with how they went. Yes. And the content we delivered. Yes. Just, unfortunately, we sort of forgot to record this one. Yeah. That's totally my bad. No, it's not. It was on the... We talked about it, and we were like, do I have enough battery power? I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. Then we just didn't hit record, and I didn't want to, like, distract you by saying, like, unlock your phone so we can hit record. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, And my friend was recording the video, so I thought that would be backup, but I didn't specify to him that I wanted the The entire thing thing on video. So we also don't have a full video of that, unfortunately. We have some clips, and... So some of the clips of the video include the audience discussion. Yeah. So we'll be sure to share What those. we're doing is we're going to present it to the microphone right now, the whole panel, so that you can hear it. 
and when I can grab audio from the video of like discussions and stuff, I'm gonna try putting it in putting there. It'll in. probably sound pretty bad, like pretty quiet, but I'll see if I can crank it up. Yeah. So if you're wondering why like the audio goes from like oh them talking to like yeah, that's he did get like the last eight minutes, so I might just put in that. Mm from the video. Anyways, this might be a weird sounding podcast. Also, something was wrong with GarageBand today, so we're not on our two separate mics. We're on the one mic. We are struggling today. (laughs) But at least we've got something. But it's good content and it was a good panel and we want you to hear it. So, we're going to do our best. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) To talk about Ghibli Girls today because they're now a significant part of our culture. Uh, it's unique considering it's animation, uh, and they can be seen as an alternative to like the Disney type of girl, and they're brave protagonists who defy gender roles, so we really like that. So, yes. <laughs> so dude, just a very quick background on Studio Ghibli, I'm sure you guys know probably more than we do, but um, so Studio Ghibli was founded in Japan in 1985 after the success of the Hayao Miyazaki film Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind by directors Hayao Miyazaki and Asao Takahata. Most Studio Ghibli films are written and or directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, when Disney got the distribution rights in the 90s, a lot of Western viewers, that was our first chance to see a lot of these movies in our native language with the English dubs. And as of now, Studio Ghibli has produced 21 feature films with one more Miyazaki film expected next year, in addition to a TV film, TV series, commercials, short films, and video games. We really want to talk about the female protagonist in Ghibli's feature films today. We're not going to get too much into the studio itself, uh, nor will we get into the Japanese reception versus our reception here in the West, because as Westerners, it, we can only speak to our own views of the Japanese films. Um, also, just like every viewer, we have our own perceptions and reactions to the film, not just based on the fact that we're English-speaking, but also perhaps the time we first saw the film, our preferences, everything that would go into your likes of a film. So to us, Westerners, Ghibli stands out, among other man- animated films for young audiences, for the repeated use of a young girl as a protagonist in an action-adventure movie. And we know that these female characters have permeated throughout our culture, and you guys are all here listening to us talk about them. There's a Ghibli section in Hot Topic. So the characters stand out not just because, like, wow, a girl is doing this, but because they're just amazing characters. The girls in the film share a lot of the same themes, plots, and character traits. Uh, Coming of age, bravery, nature, and magic are all seen in these films. Uh, So to dive into why these young girls have stood the test of time and continue to inspire new fans, we're going to look at what the characters and films have in common. In short, we're asking what makes Ghibli Girls so great. And we do want this to be a discussion, so throughout our talk we will be throwing it to you, asking you what your thoughts are and for examples. So our first big question was, where are your parents? Um, Many of the girls in Studio Ghibli movies are orphans or they're away from their parents, whether by choice or by circumstance. Some have an absent parent with an older sibling filling that role, and most of them are only children. So we wondered why an absence of parents seems to be an ideal setup for a fantastical adventure. When someone, in this case a young girl, too vulnerable things to be, is without parents or a stable family structure, she is even more vulnerable. So this makes everything that she does inherently brave, but just by doing anything at all. Being without a support system makes just living a regular life hard enough, let alone doing a daring solo adventure. 
As a piece of media, it's telling the audience that you can still be amazing and do amazing things with an unconventional family, without a support system, or even on your own. In Spirited Away, Chihiro has her support system, her parents, taken away from her. She doesn't want to venture into unknown territory. She doesn't even want to get out of the car to explore the real world a little bit. She just wants to get her parents and get home. Everything she does, she does mostly reluctantly, but it's because she's just doing what she's told that will get her parents back and get them all out of there. She's scared the whole time, but she does what she needs to achieve her goal, getting her parents back, while sticking to what she believes is right, which includes helping her new friends out along the way. In Kiki's delivery service, Kiki is actually excited to leave her parents. She's not going away forever, but she wants to take this new adventure and grow on her own. She is, however, still just a 13-year-old girl, so she actually finds new parental figures in this new home. And she finds her independence and grows up a lot, but still under the care of parental figures looking out for her. She even grows out of needing her animal companion for guidance. Part of why these girls go on their adventures without their parents is so that they have room to grow up on their own. So our first question to you is, what other examples stand out to you of unique family dynamics in a Ghibli movie? I guess we can give examples, because we don't have an audience. Right. Um, I mean, pretty much every movie um, in Nausicaa, she doesn't have a mom and then her father dies. Mm-hmm. Totoro... Sick mom, yeah, and Totoro, her mom's in the hospital, and her dad actually also works a lot, and mm-hmm. is a little absentee, so we have the older sister mm-hmm. role Princess, stepping in. Princess Mononoke is adopted by a wolf god. <laughs> uh, in Ponyo, uh, his dad is away, not to mention her family structure, which her, is... Her mom seems to be absent. C? Her mom is C. (laughs) And her dad is a crazy wizard. (laughs) Yeah. They're controlling. And up on Poppy Hill, she has dead dad. Dead dad. Dead dad club. In some cases, our heroine herself has to take on the parental role. And it sort of contradicts the concept of being a girl out on an adventure when she has a reason to stay home. So in that sense, her bravery in adventuring is still remarkable as she's balancing or abandoning her domestic life. Like in Up on Poppy Hill and My Neighbor Totoro, Umi and Satsuki take on the parental roles at home. One or more parents are absent, so she must do her part to take care of her family. These ones keep the adventure pretty mild, like Up on Poppy Hills, just in the real world, there's no lives at stake, and My Neighbor Totoro is just like a wholesome children's movie. Um, but the girls still manage to go on some adventures. And also, so many of these girls are looked to for guidance, uh, particularly the women in royal positions, uh, the people of the Valley of the Wind looking to Nausicaa for guidance, and uh, the wolf tribe looking to Princess Mononoke for some decision making. And so we also see that these girls that have like taken on parental role also obviously look to for guidance like Umi and Satsuki. So despite so many people looking for this guidance, they are still on a path to discover themselves. And while being unsure of themselves, they still have to like put on this air of confidence and make decisions that affect others, which is an incredibly adult thing to do. So they kind of make the journey of being a child, perhaps even reliant on parents, to make it in, making it on their own and being this solid, reliable, dependable person for someone else. And it's a way of showing like the coming of age narrative in the film. Parents and families are important parts of these girls' stories. They provide support to our hero, give our character background, and often provide the circumstances to launch our girl onto her journey. 
Um, but once the girl's off on her adventure, she'll find another kind of support system. Yes, our second big question, who's your friend? <laughs> These girls need friends. They need support and help, but they do not need saviors. This is why they pick up a friend along the way. One type of friend or guide our hero often finds on her way is a wise older woman. This character often helps put the girl's journey in perspective. If you've forgotten after seeing her incredible feats that she is in fact a little girl, here's someone older and wiser to tell her the way the world works. Whether or not she will listen is different to each character. But the older woman character is not always a friendly character. In Spirited Away, Yobaba is seen is not seen as a nice granny for Chihiro, but she still has a lot to do to help Chihiro. And her uh, twin sister, Zaniba, is equally as complex. Um, they both have moments that help or hinder our hero. And I think the use of an older woman specifically is really smart because they can serve as a look to the future. They help to guide the hero's paths by showing them what they can become. They serve as both the hope of what you can become and a cautionary tale. And yes, of course, sometimes these women offer literal guidance, moving along the plot or telling the girls where to go next on their journey. However, they also serve as a representation of the future and how choices can affect that. The variety of women, young, old, good, or evil, around our hero help reflect her values. Either these women hold an opposition to the girl, so in the audience's eyes that helps make our protagonist look good in comparison, or if they support her cause, we get to see our protagonist be a leader and receive support. Either way, her values are reinforced by being reflected through these other characters. It isn't always an older granny type woman that connects with the protagonist. Often, alone without family, she will pick up more of a big sister type of companion on her journey. Chihiro has Lin in Spirited Away, and Kiki has Ursula in Kiki's delivery service. Kiki also has the parental replacements, but with Ursula, she gains this alternate big sister type who gives her different kind of support. She encourages her creativity and gives her a change of scenery to help her through a tough time. Our hero is almost always paired up with a boy around her age. Within the movie's world, gender is rarely addressed, at least in not any misogynistic, patriarchal way. So it's not within the movie world that we feel this gender matching, but as a viewer, we have to wonder why this choice is made. We know having a young girl as a hero is a big deal in media, so what does the pairing with a boy add or take away from that? Possibly the pairing with a boy around the same age is to emphasize how incredible this girl is being. She's doing the adventurous stuff, usually done by boys in movies, but here she is kicking ass next to a capable boy. But the good thing is, he's always added as an equal. He helps her and she helps him, or even as someone who looks up to her because she can do something he can't. He never comes in to just take over the hero role. In Kiki's delivery service, Tombo is fascinated with the young witch Kiki, and she actually rejects his friendship at first, but eventually allows for a sort of equal fascination between them. In the end, she is literally his hero. We also see Arietti make friends with a human boy who is similarly fascinated with what this girl is, and they both have their strengths and weaknesses compared to each other. Arietti has this amazing little world that Sho wishes he could explore in the same way that sh she does. However, he can help Arietti and her family in ways they can't help themselves because of who he is, a human. We also see Castle in the Sky, Shida and Patsu help each other out. She can help find Laputa, but he's the one with the knowledge and means of travel.
So our second question is, how do you feel about the girl almost always being paired up with a boy? Do you think this emphasizes her gender or takes anything away from her accomplishments? Trying to remember the good points people made about someone made the good point that for kids watching, yes, it means boys are seeing that girls are just as fun to hang out with as boys, and girls are seeing that boys can be friends, not just boyfriends. Yeah, that they're seeing like a really true, genuine friendship that yeah. like that erases the gender barrier. Yes, um, and there's no because they they brought up we I think we talk about this in our thing, but they brought up the whole like. She's not just doing girl things, and the boys aren't just doing boy yeah. things. Like, they take away the genderization of activities. Yeah. they're both doing the same thing. Yeah. Which, for kids playing in this weird heteronormative world, yeah. is a big deal to not differentiate between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, in Whisper of the Heart and Up on Poppy Hill, the real-world-based movies, she doesn't just make a boy friend. She develops a romantic relationship. Um, but how does this make her brave? Well, being vulnerable with someone takes great courage. Admitting feelings and acting on those feelings can be terrifying, but we do it anyway. To follow your heart and to do what you feel is right is always brave, whether you're on a grand adventure to save the forest god or caring for your loved ones around you. In Whisper of the Heart, Shizuku is also dealing with a big choice between school and her life's passion. So it's not just romantic passion, but creative passion driving her choices. And we like the fact that the romantic relationships, when used, are still not the main plot of the movie. It's tied in with other events, like the bold and brave choice to help save the Latin Quarter building with other students, or the bold and brave choice to pursue a writing career instead of school. They say no man is an island, and neither can these girls be. Having support, guidance, and love from friends and family doesn't make her brave acts any less amazing. She's still a young girl, making it on her own, staying true to herself through tough challenges. And our next big question, slide change. <laughs> what in the world? Most Ghibli movies take place in a complete fantasy world, or place some magic into the real world. Placing our hero's adventure in a fantasy world allows the real world barriers to not be needed. We talk here in the real world about how important it is to see these young girl characters being brave in media today and for the last 30 years of Studio Ghibli. But in a fantasy world, gender barriers don't have to exist. It's a different world. And gender is absolutely used in Ghibli fantasy worlds, but we don't see the same barriers and put in front of women, the same biases and stereotypes that keep men in positions of power. We see plenty of women in power, and there are no men calling her a bitch because she had to fight her way to the top. Aside from fantasy and magic, nature itself is a big part of any Ghibli movie. Nature versus industrialization is a theme that appears again and again. The idea that we as a people are killing the natural world and need to live in harmony with Mother Earth is a huge presence. Whether the world created in the film is realistic or complete fantasy, the need to preserve nature is present, perhaps most obviously in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and Princess Mononoke. This serves not only as a dire warning for the audiences, but it also sets out a very clear goal for our heroes. Nature, the environment, and Mother Earth are coded as feminine, so our hero's connection with nature feels right in that way. And nature is good, capital G good, in Ghibli worlds. It's not as black and white as nature and women are good and destruction of nature and men are bad, but that theme is certainly tied into the films. 
And a protagonist's relationship with animals has always been as used as a marker of a good character. I mean, just look at fairy tales. Women are often talking to animals or have animal friends help them. Disney certainly reinforced that with their version of fairy tales. Even in the real world, people see someone's ease and comfort around animals as an indicator that they're a good, kind person. That theory is definitely in Ghibli. The girls often have an animal friend, and we subconsciously see that as an indicator that this girl is trustworthy, gentle, kind, cares for nature and everyone around her. The animal friends that these girls have, from Kiki's cat to Nasuka's fox squirrel, do more than just offer love and companionship. They act almost as familiars for these girls. And whether the animals talk or not, they are often used as a sounding board for the girls to work through their tough decisions. And as a film device, this basically allows us to hear her talking to herself. So nature and animals are a way of building trust with our hero. We know she is good because she protects nature. And when nature trusts her, we trust her, and vice versa. The characters that disregard or have contempt for anything nature we know are untrustworthy bad people. Hurting nature is worse than hurting people because people can deserve it. Nature cannot. In Princess Mononoke, she's not just fighting to save the forest or nature. She is the forest. She's caught between the human world and the forest. But she chooses nature because she is good. Even as nature fights back and destroys itself and humans, she does what she knows is right, even defying her family. And in the end, the nature versus human lesson there becomes about coexistence. Both sides learn from this. Nausicaa repeatedly puts herself at risk in defense of the insects that are destroying the humans. In this case, nature is seen as both bad and good. Bad because of the destruction and endangerment of human lives, but as Nausicaa is fighting to show, the insects are just misunderstood and aren't inherently evil. She even discovers that the toxic forest is actually just nature's defense against the humans' pollutions. It feels almost like a cautionary tale to come before Princess Mononoke's tale of industrialization versus nature. Like, this is how bad it could get. So we asked you, the audience, what are some other examples of the girl's relationship with nature being a vehicle for her bravery? Yeah. What are um, some examples we got? <laughs> uh, in Totoro, uh, May runs into the forest... And that's how the yeah, that's how the magic begins. She discovers Totoro in the woods. Um, Whisper of the Heart and the Cat Returns both start with following cats that are going somewhere. (laughs) Following cats, following cats on the train, or saving them from the car. Yeah, yeah. her animal relationship. And in Ponyo, uh, she is a fish girl. But not just that, the flooding and, like, mm-hmm. how the sea moves in that is huge in that film, too, because it really affects his life with his father and with, like, their physical environment around the world changes. Yeah. Nature is definitely, well, it's sort of controlled by him, but it's like she throws the balance of nature off yeah. and the moon is coming to close. Yeah. Right, so the whole thing is when like them trying to restore the balance between yeah. of nature. When something's and... off with their character, something's off with nature. Yeah. Because they reflect each other. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few Ghibli movies take place in a completely normal world as we know it, not having any magic even. So in these stories, our protagonists face different conflicts with the world around her. She's not fighting off gods or using magic to solve problems, but she is still going through the same personal struggles, like sticking to her morals against opposing forces. 
Whether she's in a bathhouse on another plane of existence or a high school in Tokyo, Ghibli heroes use their environments throughout their personal journeys. They all make tough choices, fight enemies, make friends, and connect with nature while doing it. Brings us to our biggest question. The big question. What it's all about. <laughs> what makes her brave? Ghibli heroes are protagonists first and girls second. The gender of the characters has no bearing on their journeys and the same story could be told for a boy or a girl. And that's what makes them so great. These girls aren't granted protagonist status because it could only be a girl in a girl's story. It could be anyone's story, but Studio Ghibli decided that if it could be anyone's story, why not make it a girl's story? These films give us a wide range of what it means to be brave. Bravery to be yourself, bravery to make hard decisions, and even bravery to join in the battle. This is part of why these girls resonate with so many people. Uh, she does bravery in Castle in the Sky, being tossed into different worlds, having to evade capture between aircrafts, is a very different type of bravery to that of Umi in Up on Poppy Hill, who needs to boldly face the truths of her past and discover her own dreams. Studio Ghibli continues to find new ways to show these girls tackling their fears and fighting for their beliefs, no matter how big or small they seem. Right. These girls' bravery always equates to them overcoming their fears. So that's why the stakes can feel just as high for each character, no matter the different world or situation they tackle. I'm on the edge of my seat watching Whisper of the Heart and Shizuku trying to find her confidence and discover her passion of writing and fall in love, just as I'm on the edge of my seat watching Sen try to navigate her way through a mystical world of spirits and demons trying to survive and save her parents. Part of what makes the bravery of these characters matter so much is that failure's a real option for them. They're not perfect characters. These girls are fallible and they make poor decisions. And sometimes they break down and make no decisions at all. We see Kiki fall apart and struggle emotionally, just wanting to stay in bed and not move. Unable to take on the mental task of making any commitments. And haven't we all been there in life? <laughs> Arietti defies her parents' warnings and interacts with humans, leading directly to the destruction of their home and the capture of her mother. This creates the possibility of real failure for these girls, which makes their triumphant moments so much more emotional and also helps make them more relatable, because we all fail sometimes. <laughs> when Sophie tells Howell to smarten up and stop being so dramatic, it takes me right to the reality of me and my own friends and family. Because sometimes just telling friends the truth takes a lot of bravery. Yeah, Sophie in Howl's Moving Castle is an example of a girl that takes everything in stride. Um, not as a pushover, but in a sort of quiet bravery. When she gets cursed, she knows what she has to do. She has to leave, find somewhere new, figure this out. She needs a home, she finds one, and makes a new life for herself, takes on this new role. Um, because she has to, but also because she's not afraid of change. And this leads her down a road she could never have expected, but it's what she needed to live up to her potential and become no. her most true self. This includes falling in love with Howell, but that's portrayed as like a nice bonus to all her personal development. Uh, it's not the prize that she wins for it. And Princess Kaguya shows a different type of bravery when she defies traditions and expectations. Forced into this princess lifestyle, it takes great strength to push back against what she's being told to do and remain herself. She finds ways not to compromise on what's important while also still following some rules so she can please her father. And princess sitting behind a blind as suitors bring her gifts may sound like the opposite of Nausicaa swooping into a stampede of giant insects. 
but they're both doing what they can do in their circumstances to do what they believe is right and protect their loved ones. The girls who take risks in love are no less brave than the girls fighting off enemies. They're all facing an unknown, they're risking their well-being, and they're usually defying someone's rules to do what feels right to them. So we're wondering what does bravery no. mean to you and how do you see that reflected in Ghibli films? It's a big question. One thing that I find is that often these, uh, these girl protagonists, they're thrust into these very foreign environments and it's, the bravery comes out of being able to stick to the morals while also adapting and oftentimes at the end it's coming to terms and adapting and understanding this foreign environment, working within this foreign environment while still keeping to their in their morals, in the morals they started with. Yeah, That's they have to kind of adjust to the rules of the new place without losing themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, following up on that, a good example of not losing yourself to the world would be um, the cat returns. Because she yes. literally starts losing herself to the world and becoming a cat because mm -hmm. she is not, she's letting things happen around her rather than taking her own stand, and it's only once she actually starts taking her own stand that she's able to reverse the effects and get back home. Yeah. That is a good point. We didn't touch on the cat returns much, but yeah, it's another different type of adventure where she is sort of passive in her life, but then finally it goes far enough where she's like, well, I don't actually want to turn into a cat. Yeah. So I think now is the point <laughs> where I draw the line and I step up and get myself out of here. Yeah. It's cute, but <laughs> I made some mentions of like not the protagonists that are also so brave. Yes, like in Princess Mononoke, Lady Eboshi, when she changes her mind at the end and decides, Oh, actually, we're not gonna destroy nature anymore. This kid was right all along, and I'm gonna change my whole like way that I run my town. Yeah, that's really brave to admit that you were wrong. Yeah, and it's and hard, change. it's so hard to do. Yeah. None of us like to do it. Exactly. I liked also, you wrote in Ponyo, like, mom taking in Ponyo. Like, yeah. she takes in and the fish like, girl. Like, yeah, okay, I'll that's, adopt this that's girl. <laughs> a huge responsibility yeah. and a huge task. And she's, she knows how much it means to her son. And she's willing to, like, take on the responsibility for another, another child. Kid. Like, it's, and especially, Basically like, a single mom. Yeah, like, she's in this, her like, husband's gone all the time. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of bravery, not just in the protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the situations that she's in is not what makes these girls brave. It's to get through these situations, she has to use her bravery, her intelligence, kindness, communication, sometimes her femininity. These are all qualities that every young girl has, which is what makes these stories resound with so many people. We not may be in these extreme and fantastical situations, but we like to believe that if we were, we could step up to the plate like these girls do. And these stories all lead, as we've discussed a lot already, um, to the girls determining their core values and their moral code, because morality is really wonderfully explored in Ghibli films. The line is always like a little bit blurred. Um, so the best example, again, is Lady Eboshi and Princess Mononoke built Irontown, gave all of these women and these lepers and people used to being on the fringes of society jobs and a home and a community and really like a purpose but she's also destroying the forest and throwing off the balance of their entire world. So is she good or is she evil? And of course she's kind of both, as are most people that we vilify. And it's because the villains of these films are not wholly evil 
that the protagonist's decisions are more challenging and more real and also helps cement like the moral view. They all have to ally themselves with a way of thinking or create their own way of thinking and no matter what, it always reveals their true convictions. So even if she's scared and she's offered an easy way out, she never gives up and she'll never leave friends or family behind to save herself. Nausicaa has the responsibility of setting the template for the type of girl that would come after her. Yes, it was technically released before Studio Ghibli, but uh, she was really the first of the Ghibli girls. Nausicaa has all the traits of a Ghibli protagonist. Bravery, determination, self-sacrifice, intelligence, kindness, and she's one with nature and befriends a boy who can help her on her journey. All of these things would end up being quintessential Ghibli traits. Nausicaa really set the stage for what these protagonists could be and set a really high bar for the girls that came after. She introduced the world to this new type of female protagonist, and most of us outside Japan didn't see Nausicaa as our first Studio Ghibli, um, but looking back at her, you can clearly see the blueprint laid out for the future of Ghibli heroes. So we'll end with our final big question, if you can handle it. What do you think makes Ghibli girls so great? Right, and in that way everyone can find one of these girls that they connect to and see themselves in. I think that, but also gives you a variety of things to watch. It's not just the same. putting yourself into it. It's, you know, it's, people get tired of watching the same piece of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they want to see themselves in it, and sometimes they want to see the that opposite, and they want to be eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of, we're talking about like nature, and like a lot of these themes are common in all of them but the girls themselves do vary a lot in their purpose and their personality, which is great. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna, uh, so like there's variations and then there's Right, and also that no matter your personality type, like you have tools that can help you overcome. Because they all, they all, they all overcome things in different ways, right? Yeah. You it Watching Totoro this time, I was like, these girls, these little girls are acting like little girls. Yeah. Like, I really believe that these are little girls running around, which for kids around that age must be amazing to see them 
be like, they're acting just like me, and then they're going on this crazy fun adventure. Um, I find one of the advantages of the characters being so different while still all having a very similar core value is that because it's weird, a lot of women here, kids, kids get to see different examples of what they can do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just uh, finding different, finding the character that you see yourself in, it's seeing that there are so many different options. Yep. And, yes. it's, and realizing, oh, well I might be more like her, but this doesn't mean I can't be like her. No. Yeah. I can I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So even seeing the seeing the variety and seeing well, oh, you can have your morality and like you can have your core that doesn't change and still have all of these different ways to explore things. Yeah, I was gonna say even within a movie, not just our main protagonist, but there's so many other women that you could relate to or yeah. see like, well, I agree with her on this part, but then I wouldn't have done that. And it's a really full world for women in movies in general. That's fun. Uh, I, I'd say the, the thing that I, I most enjoy about the, um, the, the, the Ghibli girls is their independence, is that unlike the kind of the Disney characters where, you know, the movie ends with, you know, a marriage or they're still princesses and it's, you know, it's, it's very much dependent mm -hmm. on, you know, a kind of a male relationship, the uh, Ghibli girls can stand on their own and even if they do have a romantic relationship with a male character over the course of the film, they're not defined by that. They exist on their own and they work to improve their world and their relationships in their own way. That is so true. It's definitely not a Disney ending. We always feel like, yes, they did this amazing thing, but now they're gonna have more adventures. Yeah. They're not just living happily ever after. Yeah, Disney mm -hmm. very much feels like this, when it's over, like they never have to do that again. Like, mm -hmm. ooh, thank God I got through that. <laughs> um, but Ghibli feel like they're gonna go out and they're gonna keep being awesome. Yeah. Even if it's like Chihiro's not gonna go to another sphere world no. or whatever, but she's gonna be like braver and like having done mm -hmm. that, going to her new school and stuff, yeah, she's, she's going to confident handle it. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so, we gotta wrap up. Yeah, really quickly guys, sorry. Uh, so thank you all for being here to talk about Brave Ghibli Girls with us. Okay, thank you so much guys. Okay, so that was our panel. Yeah. Part in my living room, part <laughs> in at Comic Con. <laughs> yeah. It's our second year doing Comic Con panel. Mm hmm. It's, uh, it's fun. It's, yeah, hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Well, yeah, we put in a lot of work to our panels yeah. and we're proud of the work that we do. And yes. we're really excited that we get to, like, also bring it to our podcast audience. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's obviously us, but we had to actually write it out, not just yeah. talk. Not just <laughs> talk. Yeah. And no swearing. Yeah. <laughs> you can email us at ratedfmovies at gmail.com. That is ratedfmovies <laughs> at gmail.com, our brand new email. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rated F Movies. Yay. Branding, people. Same accounts. It's the same if accounts. You're following we just, us already. We just got to it. change the usernames. Yeah. Um, and I will say there will be a link to the Doctor Who panel. Yeah. It's on our Doctor Who podcast. But I think even if you're not, if you don't really know Doctor Who, it's just, it was about historical women. And I think it was. 
Right. Just interesting. Yeah. About how women are, real historical women are portrayed in TV and movies. Yeah. Like, it's specifically through the lens of Doctor Who, but it's mm-hmm. an interesting look at tackling the idea of historical people, historical women in this case, in Turning it into media. Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a link to that. Um, also, you can also watch that one. We got yeah. video for that one. This one, um, again, I linked to like the blog post. I'll put up maybe just the parts that we did get on video. Yeah, I think some I'll still clips. put them up so you can get an idea of what it's like. Did. I don't know if you want into that. Links to in the thing stuff. Links and stuff. Stuff. Yeah. What else do we have going on? Um, I think we know what we're doing for our next podcast yeah we don't have a name for it we were so focused on the comic-con stuff for so long now we're like oh right we have to like we still have to keep doing things no yeah um yeah we haven't decided what movie anyway the good news is we know what we're doing next we know so there will be another episode soon it'll be a surprise for um you. yeah there's also sometimes I write about movies on my blog or I think we want to do that more yeah we're gonna we are gonna try we're gonna make a concerted effort to put some more content out there yeah writing and podcasts make it and of easier course, like instagram is where we just sort of quickly yeah. review things try and make it easier for you guys to like interact yeah interact with us it's fun <laughs> we're fun people we're fun be our friend okay you need a friend <laughs> you got one in me oh my god okay bye bye <laughs> <laughs>